For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. So, um, I also have been thinking about the fact that during COVID, during the quarantine, um, I think I felt a bit more calm and I think it was easier to stay calm because my life got shrunk and I was not, um, out in the world as much, not as many choices, not traveling as much. Um, and there was something, um, calming about it while at the same time it was stressful dealing with the realities of the pandemic um, but um, I feel like at this point in my life I'm aware as the pandemic is lifted somewhat that there's more going on, there are more choices uh, there's um, life has gotten active again and um I'm aware of the many ways in which I'm pulled in a variety of different directions and that I can't do all the directions um, and sometimes I, I'm not realizing that. So I'll look back on a year and think, oh, I didn't do this part, this thing that was very important to me. Uh, how did that happen? Uh, because I think I get caught up in activities that just keep coming and um, don't stop to think about what I want to put my attention on most. Um, and so um, it made me think, you know, I, I in this process over the last few weeks, I went back and read the story of uh, uh, Siddhartha, you know, in his early life and, you know, it's like he left uh, the palace. He, he, um, and for years was wandering, you know, working with different um, Buddhist, uh, well, not Buddhist, but uh, various people who became teachers to him. But he was on his own. He was um, in nature or on, the, on a who knows where. But he was on his own. You know, I guess what I'm getting at is uh, lowered the amount of stimulation, the amount of personal commitments, the amount of things he was responsible for in his life and focused fully on that. And uh, there are many stories um, about the early... early teachers who did that, you know, in the Taoist tradition, I, I know they're, you know, they went to the mountains and, and just sat, so, you know, they left their houses, their homes, they were not householders, they, uh, and, and that, in one way, it really forces you to face, uh, what are you doing, you know, like, what is your life about, and, um, and I think that um, I've never quite had the, you know, I think currently, you know, uh, 
some of you have gone into monasteries for weeks at a time. Uh, Tygen, you've been at a monastery for months, years, many years, uh, and there are many people who, who do that. And I, uh, I see the value in that. And, and I contrast it then with when we are living in a society where it's as uh, busy, our lives are active, our, uh, there are many different people in our lives at different levels, uh, professional, family, friends, uh, community, uh, that it becomes uh, complex sometimes to sort out how we're going to choose uh, where we're going to put our energy. And so um, I uh, I don't know if you have heard this, but I, I do use Facebook, and um, Thich Nhat Hanh shows up because I did engage with their site, and I, I like some of the quick blurbs they have of him, and one is... Um, they show him, you know, just for 30 seconds, saying, um, connect your mind to your body. And he says it repeatedly, connect your mind to your body. Um, and then he pauses and says, it will greatly benefit those who interact with you. And uh, I, I like that a lot. Um, I um, th- Things like that grab my attention and... I think, okay, how do I connect my mind to my body? I have to find ways to slow down. Coming here is very helpful. Having a group of people to do it with is very helpful. Um, I think I also, um, you know, some, you know, um, yesterday you were talking about Dongshan and going off to the peak and talking about experiences in the mountains I I do find experiences in nature uh, to be ones that help me connect my mind to my body and to uh, be more present uh, and to slow down significantly Um, and so I um, I'm might be all over the place a little bit. I want to throw out some thoughts and read some things and then maybe open this up for discussion in terms of other people's um, ways of managing some of these things. Um, uh, You know, I... uh, But I, I think that there are layers. I think that sometimes we have to think about how we construct our lives in order, one, to make room for a practice like this. Um, but even if you have a practice, you know, how to choose carefully so that you're able to do it without being frenetic or, or losing the ability to stay focused or pay attention. Um, there are certain particular activities for me. One is walking in nature. Another one is I like to play around with watercolor. I don't think I'm a terrific artist, but there is something about sitting at a beautiful scene and trying to paint it that it almost it connects it to you to it in a different way that you begin to 
think about the layers of that rock and it makes you think about how old that rock is or that tree or um, whatever it is that you're looking at. Um, I also find that working in the garden for me helps me slow down, helps me come into the present. Um, uh, doing yoga does that as well. Um, uh, I, uh, and so those are some ways that I slow down. Um, and I realize that there's an importance of being able to stay present even when we are busy and, and moving. Uh, that staying present doesn't mean we have to have a life of solitude. Um, but it seems to me that that you have to slow it down a little bit in order to be available to connect your mind with your body, so to speak. Um, There's also more being written now, or a couple books that I, one that one is about to come out that I'd like to read, and one that I'm reading about connection. Um, um, one I've mentioned before, I think, Lori, you might have read too, is Lost Connections, or maybe you've heard about it, uh, by Johan Hari, uh, Lost in Connection, uh, which is written about treatment in psychology and um, um, some of the psychological woes of the world at this point and, and a lot of it being related to our loss of connection with community, with each other, with nature, um, uh, with the larger world around us uh, and that the internet has played a big part in this uh, and among other things, among our culture, I think in our own culture, the focus on individualism plays a big part in this. Um, but um, and then Dan Siegel has a book coming out called Interconnected, in which he's talking about uh, how the self emerges from relationships uh, and how our brain is con connected to. Uh, the broader belonging than just the, the body. Um, other people, community, nature, um, human families, uh, that we're not a solo self and uh, it's kind of mistaken to think of us as separate in that way. Um, so um, Also, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about what you talked about yesterday, Taigen, with Dongshan, and our discussion afterwards, that sometimes when we have um, maybe a time when we feel like we're in a, we're connected or we're meditating well or who knows what, that we, um, just the evaluation of it, our evaluative mind, then we kind of lose the experience, or we want to hold on to the experience, uh, but but you, you you can't. You need to be able to be present and just keep flowing. And um, 
Okay, and so that is um, um, yeah, another another aspect to this. So I guess what I'm saying is there are layers to letting go, uh, slowing our lives down, making choices about what we make time for, and then trying to also uh, engage in, in a practice that allows us to just sit. Um, also, I think something that enters into this for me is at my age, and that I'm uh, more aware that I time seems more precious to me now, I think, than it has in the past, because I realize I have less time ahead than I have behind me. Um, I mean, that's been true for a while, but I think as you get older, you become more aware of uh, the importance of um, choosing how you use your time. I've heard that from other people, and I think I feel it too. And so I wanted to do a read a little bit from uh, being upright. Um, This is a chapter that he wrote, not an inch of ground, um, not praising self at the expense of others. Um, but it, of course, as always, covers a lot more than that. Um, okay. In such ordinary daily activities, the practice of the way can be realized. We can enter into the deep inner workings of the universe if we are present for the drama of what is happening. All the ingredients are being supplied. The words are here. The question is, how are we using them? Can we notice the opportunities being offered in the nonstop flow of words, the unceasing flood of conventional existence? Conversing with the mountains and rivers, with grasses and trees, with each other, with our pain and anxiety, Thus, we bring each other to realization. Are you in the midst of such a dramatic conversation, or are you sitting on the sidelines of life with eyes shut and ears covered? The great show is going on. The usual characters are playing their parts. Self and others, Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, all things, are playing their parts all day long, all night long. Are you listening? Are you participating? Or are you just a lonesome self who cannot appreciate how it is that you dependently co-arise through dramatic conversation with all beings? So, um, there's more, but I, he's pithy. I like him. Um, and so I've thrown a number of things out there. I, I don't have a point to this talk except to say these are 
some of the things that seem pertinent to me at this point in practice, and I'd love to hear others' ideas and comments. bringing forth the idea of sort of how do we be present like I'm always like what does that mean to be present but the if I reflect on practice I think I've been most inspired by people who could have a sense of presence that wasn't aggressive you know they're not like trying to force their awakening on you but just simply taking care of things I was reminded of a time during a Sashin at Gringold Farm when the bathroom during Kinhin is like flooded with people and everybody's like trying to rush in and use the facility. This was like in the 90s. And Galen, who's now, you know, uh, an abbess and you know, head of Soto Shu International in the U.S. or something like that, but um, she was the priest then. And I remember like there were no paper towels they'd run out in the bathroom. And people were rummaging, trying to figure out what to do. And Galen just, there was a key hanging on the side of the <laughs> bathroom uh, towel dispenser. And she just picked the key up, opened it, picked up some towels, <laughs> put them in, and closed it. And I thought, and just very naturally, and I thought, I want to be like that. <laughs> you know, like able to actually see what's going on and just take care of the people around who were doing their own thing, like Reb says, you know. So I guess I feel like, you know, we're all inspired by that kind of practice, and it's not something to get a hold of, but, you know, even you struggling with that is part of already, you know, hmm. being that. Hmm. So that's what it brought up for me, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your talk, Kathy. I, I always enjoy your talks. They're very um, uh, thought-inspiring, so, so thank you. Thank um, you. The quote from Thich Nhat Hanh that you read about um, connecting the mind to the body was the first piece of Zen anything that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when Wade and I were um, trying to figure out our spiritual practice, um, a book of Technopons ended up in that lap and that was a passage that really stuck with me and it still has um, and, it's, and it's still the case for me where um, when I am really in my body if I'm doing something physical if I'm uh, dancing or if I'm walking or playing music um, those are the moments that I still do feel the most present and, and, and um, the most joy um, and so I, it's always a nice reminder to remember um, to make that connection. So, so thank you for reminding me. Be present. Me. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes when we're physically active, it, maybe it's, I don't know, stimulates us to be in our bodies more, doing things rather than sitting in front of the computer maybe or something.
participation. Thanks for a talk with many layers. Um, you, you, you talked about a lot of things, but, but I think that's something that your talk made me think about is um, my favorite Pablo Neruda poem, which I don't remember what the title is, but and I and I can't I certainly can't recite it for you. But the idea is of the poem is that when we are born and we say yes to being in this world, we are born into a network of connections. And um, my favorite and and they're just around us all the time. And my favorite line from this poem is, "No one can save us from other people." And I think that that speaks to a tension where, you know, our our connections can start to feel overwhelming and so we want to pull back and then and then we pull back too far and we're we realize we're we're kind of out of the, the fray of things and it's it's hard to find that, you know, dynamic balance between connecting with ourselves and and connecting with others. And I and I think that that's maybe part of what practice what what sitting meditation practice can help us with is taking that breakout time out to a time out um, to just you know kind of stop all the the other the, the everything that's out there and just kind of attend to what's in here and um, so that we don't have to continue that dance of like jumping in too far and then pulling back out being able to moderate or modulate and um, be aware of it at the time maybe not get so upset by it. Yeah, yeah, not, it seems like there's a, an out of balance where we um, we let go of ourselves to focus on the other, and then we, when we get too overwhelmed by the other, we, we then pull back and focus on ourselves, and it's hard to find that, um, just that, that interdependence, where we're, we're not separating between self and others, we're not, we're not preferencing self over others. We're not preferencing others over self. We're, we're helping them to coexist. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I like, I like that. I do think that uh, I, yeah, I, that experience of being caught and then pulling back and reaching out and being, you know, in a number of different relationships uh, and it takes a lot of attention or it takes a lot of energy so the practice allowing to maybe stay present and not get quite so polarized. Yeah, so first stay present with ourselves so that we can be more present with others. Yeah. Thank you. Jerry. Thank you for your talk. I, um, I really appreciate it. I was particularly... Uh, struck by this idea of slowing it down. And I was thinking of Hogetsu's um, description of the woman who undid the paper towel thing. You have to be at a certain slower level just to notice what's happening around you, to be just aware enough to say, oh, look, you know, this is, I could do this. Or, and for myself, I my, my I tend to go very fast. <laughs> my brain, to, I, my thoughts go fast. I go fast. I, I'm jittery, and, but when I slow down, you see a lot more. And the more you see, the easier it is to respond when you're a little bit 
slower and a little bit here and not in the moment that's about to come next so thank you I really appreciate that idea of just thinking of slowing down is a good way to think to be a little more present Thank you, Jared. I feel the same way that I can. Uh, I have a certain goal-directed, high energy level that I use to get things done. But sometimes it gets in the way of slowing down, and it can also play into that fear of missing out. You know, that makes you dart around a little bit more rather than sinking into what you're doing or at least for me. Uh, okay, slowing down. Um, a couple of things, if I may. Um, one thing that I'm intrigued by is just like, we have to leave our community in order to come back and be with our community. Buddha left his community and then came back to the community. And developed a song. He didn't stay he didn't stay alone by himself, but he, he came back to teach. And how often so many of us have that sense we have to leave in order to come back. Um, but I you know I'm thinking in terms of the ideal, if I look at my own life. I'm so far from from what I'm about to say that <laughs> it's 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 um, uh, it's kind of comical for me to say it, but in a certain sense, Asian, I, I kind of disagree that we have to pull back in order to be with people. Um, I think the great test of our practice and our being is to be with people all the time and not let that upset us. Because if I'm thinking that I have to pull back, I'm really about I am pulling back. I've stopped the connection. That I have to recharge my batteries. That there's something that, and again, this is an ideal. It's not something that I necessarily am able to accomplish on my own, but I think about this a lot that if I'm really present, if I have that sense of equanimity, whatever's going on around me, I will be connected to. And it's not a matter of of being so wrapped in myself that I react. You know, it is when I get caught up in my my own sense of being like at work where something's going wrong and I'm angry at somebody because something's not being done. I'm reacting rather than saying, oh, I'm connected and I'm responding. And there's a big difference. And the question is, how can we as practitioners get to the place where no matter what's going on around us, that we are always connected? And we don't need to, quote, retreat in order to recharge ourselves, but actually just be, and in that sense, always being recharged by the presence that's around us. And it's only our sense of ego 
in our sense of wanting to have things our way or or to be a certain way, uh, our attachments that stops us from being constantly in touch and constantly recharged by all around us. Um, and I'm just throwing that out there as a. I, as I get the sense you two might be using a slightly different language or that, that you're talking about it a little bit differently because what I heard Asian say was not staying back but that you, when you are um, correct me if I'm wrong but that not getting so not letting yourself get lost in the other person so that then you are um, get overwhelmed and need to pull back you know like trying to maintain some neutrality so that you you don't go into this back and forth. Nation, okay. do you have a, a... That is what I was trying to say, and I'm sorry if I didn't say it as skillfully, but that, that was what I was trying to convey. So I, think, so I think we're in agreement, David. Yeah, because I know it is, it is easy. You know, having done chaplaincy work, it's very easy to get just all of a sudden you're thrown and absorbed by the other person. You know, um, and that, that happens. It can happen. It can. Right. It doesn't, right. doesn't have to happen. It can happen. Right. Right. And uh, it's important to, um, I guess, realize that often when we get absorbed, it's about us. Something in us is being triggered, rather than our being present with the other person. Right. If I'm really present by the, with the other person, I'm not absorbed. I'm just there. And, 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 if you understand what I'm saying, you know, it's when something in me gets triggered, then all of a sudden... Right. Right, which is why um, there's a need to deal with that, you know, like, with ourselves getting triggered. Like, what do we need to uh, do to be able to uh, calm that or to uh, get to the point we can stay present? Uh, yeah. And a little bit neutral, maybe, so that we're not pulled in any direction. Yeah, um, just centered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, somehow it reminds me of something that Dalai Lama asked one of his uh, adherents who had been in prison and tortured for many years. And Dalai Lama said, What was, you know, the hardest thing for you? And he said, Forgiving my captors every day. <laughs> for the torture so that he was able to be there and that was his work was to be able to forgive the people who were torturing him and that's how he that sense of equanimity that he could find amazing yeah uh, yeah no it's it's important stuff to think about Yeah, working to stay grounded, I think, for, for myself, I need a little bit of um, space to be able to do that, uh, but which then allows me to stay connected more easily. For, um, yeah, uh, not, not getting, not getting, yeah, there's, there is something about maintaining enough neutrality that you can stay present and stay connected to yourself at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
there's also something about how your own energy flows. I have a really good friend. If we go to the same party and talk to 10 or 15 people, I come away completely depleted and exhausted, and she comes away completely energized and filled up. She, just in a group, she gets, she takes energy with her, you know, and she's, and in a group, my energy goes away. So I think part of it has to do with your own energy level and where you are and how that energy moves around with other people and the connection. And I think it's... Right, because some people maybe are party people and like being in large groups and other people need a smaller group to feel really... Yeah, they used to say that about Bill Clinton. He could work a room like nobody else, but then he would come out of that room and be like, all oh, his energy would be increased. He would just have... Some people are that it, it, it depends on how your own energy interacts with others. So that's probably part of this practice is knowing your own energy and and working with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like responding to your own needs. Mike and I were having this conversation on the car ride over here. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but I changed my mind. Uh, I'm I'm someone that needs a tremendous amount of alone time, and like fully alone, not in a small group, in a group of one, um, <laughs> with total silence. Um, and I need, you know, uh, everyone needs some of that. I need, I think, most more than most people, um, because I find if I don't get that. I get all I get all sorts of weird and wonky and crabby, and then I can't connect to other people, right? So for me, that's part of connecting is knowing that I'm not going to be my best present self in any interaction if I don't maintain my relationship with myself by being alone. Um, so I I am inclined to maybe disagree with David about. Um, always having the capacity connect, to connect with other people, at least ideally. I don't know that that's perhaps. Um, but when the rubber hits the road in my life, very much uh, not the case. So I think maintaining that relationship with myself, giving me a bit of disconnected time, helps me to be able to be more connected and to do that more often instead of constantly running the battery on, on empty. Yeah. I think, yeah, I like I like that, thank you. Uh, I think we're different, you know, it's like we and we, we have to know ourselves and what charges us, what, what helps us recharge and um, uh, and, and connect with others. It's, we are individual. I think we have time for maybe one more comment. I'll just say something, Kathy. You know, this idea of energy was running through my mind also talking about this connection between the body and what's called the mind. And I wondered... You know, I know you've practiced yoga, 
and Tai Chi and probably Qigong and etc. Um, and I wondered about how that relates or what you've noticed in your own Zazen practice and how it relates to other body practices and if what that's been like, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, my first introduction to meditation was through Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same teacher who taught us Tai Chi taught me meditation for the first time, and it was a Taoist meditation. Um, let me think. Eyes were open. Yeah. No, eyes were closed. Um, and uh, and I and and but. It, the movement practices have a, you know, in some ways have a similar impact to me coming here for our services mm-hmm. in that uh, they ground me. For example, I'm in a yoga class now, and he does meditation in every class, sometimes two different times. Uh, and I think he's trying to get us to do it more on our own. There's encouragement, but we do it within class. And... Um, so that class becomes grounding. I am when I'm out of it. I've my mind is much more clear. I'm uh, able to, th- and I'm in a even mood. Um, with Tai Chi, I would come from. Uh, I was in a. What was what's it called? Not a practicum, but my, uh, you know, my intense year of internship. Internship. Thank you. And um, I, well, my licensing year, I, I was coming from having worked with adolescents who were sometimes screaming and throwing things, and and so I would get there at seven o'clock, kind of like um, that. And um, by the time I left, because it's meditative movement, you're taught to meditate as you move. I would be completely grounded, and um, and kind of you do sink the energy you mm-hmm. do bring it down from you know and, and you relax and your body absorbs it and you oops you kind of let it go uh, so there is something about bringing that frenetic energy down and, and out uh, I think when you're in a meditative movement mm-hmm. yes, yes. yeah I mean we don't talk about this a lot in Zen but when we sit Zen we're in a yoga posture and I feel that over time you can work with that energy not just when you're sitting but you can start to see it in your sitting so I just wondered you know it sounds like you saw that parallel of how to work with the body energy mm-hmm. and then it doesn't matter whether you're sitting or not so whether you're meeting someone else's energy because also people are throwing energy at us all the time mm-hmm. so even if you feel like really grounded and let go. Somebody's throwing a lot of stuff at you and they don't even want you to be in that position. So there's like a martial art to Zazen, I think. And it seems like you've experienced that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think the sitting, there is a similarity. And um, um, yeah, the um, Sashins are, you know, like intense, you know, like they used to be all day Tai Chi. It's, it's a similar mm-hmm. feeling in a way. Thank you. What that reminds me of what you're talking about reminds me very much of Aikido. Because in Aikido, you're not trying to block the other person. That's not 
what you're doing. What you're doing is you're letting their energy come to you, and then you're redirecting it past you so that you're not stopping them. But like if someone was to strike a blow, I would take their arm, and they're going this way. I help them go that way, and then they go around in a circle so they're not harming me. And then finally they're on the ground, and, and they're, they're harmless to me. But it's not a matter of stopping. It's about just letting their energy go past me so that I'm still centered. And, and in that sense, I would think that that's where we do if we get in our body and we're centered in our body, like in you are in Tai Chi, because I've done Tai Chi as well. You're just so grounded in your body that your mind is clear. And that's... But I would have to say that there's a readiness for that because I remember once, and I've been practicing a couple years, that uh, it's the first time my teacher began teaching us push hands, which is where you learn that. You're learning uh, what just what you described. And um, we were playful, but we started really pushing each other. And uh, he stopped it immediately, said, you're not ready. And we never started it again. So we stayed in the individual practice. So there is something about being ready to right. for that. I mean, we were just being playful, but still there was a sense of you needed to be so pliant that you uh, did not encounter and push back. Yeah. 